Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to 365 God Podcast. This is your podcast pastor, Pastor Beryl Catherine. I'm so excited. If you've not um, been a part of the podcast before, 365 God Podcast, I hope that you'll continue to um, listen in, follow me on social media. I am Beryl Catherine on social media. I am on Instagram as Dr. Beryl Catherine, and I hope that you'll become my friend on social media networks. Um, just um, had some things that I want to talk about in this episode. I want to talk about, um, we often talk about purposeful pain, but what do you do when pain is absent? So I want to talk about being burned. I want to talk to, uh, talk about being burned. And so I, I started to think about you all, and I was like, you know, it's been a long time since I've actually recorded and said something um of course um to everybody who follows 365 god but i i promised myself that i would not make a habit of just recording just to say that i fulfilled a recording it really has to be something that is um, worth your while, and that's going to help you to become who you need to become and so i wanted to focus on burns um, i noticed in my career as a respiratory therapist during the time that I practiced um, respiratory therapy, I would often have to go into the burn unit, um, the burn intensive care unit and take care of patients who had been severely burned. And some of those patients would not react at all. And I wondered why when, you know, initially when I first started working in that area, and um, I learned a lot about first, second, and third degree burns. And so I was thinking about you all and, you know, just, you know, kind of what I needed to talk to you about. And it came back to mind for me that this was something that I could talk about. As we're healing and as we're going through um, a time of pandemic at the time of this recording, as we're healing and as we're finding our way and as we're becoming restored and as we are getting stronger, I feel like uh, we need to talk about the severity of burns. Uh, Again, I do believe that pain can be purposeful, but what happens when there's no pain at all? So I want to submit to you that the absence of pain does not mean that things are okay. The absence of pain does not mean that things are okay. When we look at certain serial killers or we start to look at people who seem not to have a moral compass or people who seem not to care. A lot of the times when we're dealing with these individuals, we see or we uh, understand, if you would, that these people seem seemingly don't have the ability to feel. So uh, what about those folks who say that they don't care or those people who seemingly don't have a moral compass? I really cannot say if they do or they don't. But what I can tell you is that there are some people out there that they have been burned so much in their lives that they, um, they don't feel anymore. Have you ever heard before that people say, I'm just numb? I'm just, I, I don't care anymore. I'm just... I'm numb to the situation. I really don't care. If you've heard that before, that's not a time to cut that person off. That's a time to, if you yourself cannot help them, to suggest help for them. I've been at some points in my life where I felt like, you know what, God, if you take me, I I wasn't necessarily suicidal. 
but I was at the point of God if you take me today it's quite all right because life is so I'm just so done with it and in a time of pandemic and a time of depression people can certainly get there and so we want to bring people back to life right and so I hope that you'll listen to the total part of this um, of this podcast and that you will either be helped yourself or be able to gain those points to help someone else. So let's talk about being burned. So there's first degree burns, there's second degree burns, and there are third degree burns. With the first degree burn, we it's the least severe of um, commonly known burns, right? And so your skin has a couple of layers to it. And so we call it the epidermis or, you know, epi meaning the outer uh, portion of the skin. But uh, also our skin is our, uh, our largest, excuse me, it's our largest organs um, system. And so kind of think about life and how your life is. So just think about um, life and if when your life has been harmed or you know, you feel violated or something has happened to you, perhaps as a kid, or maybe it's not as just a kid, but something has happened to you as an adult or whatever. So whenever, wherever you are in the stage of life, it's never, um, burns just don't feel good. They just don't feel good. And so a first degree burn is like that outer layer of skin. It hurts. It's sensitive. It gets a little bit of swelling to it. If you've ever been burned before, there's some pain and some tingling and you have a little bit of sensitivity around that area of the wound where it's uh, probably gotten uh, uh, affected. Right. And so you can be, you could have been burned by way of maybe you touched a pot or maybe hot coffee. I've had that happen to me before where I've spilled both hot coffee and hot tea on me or maybe in the kitchen while, um, while um, sauteing vegetables or something like that. You know, I get a little bit of oil that may pop on my skin um, and it really, it really becomes uh, just irritated, if you would. Doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt, but it definitely gets your attention. And then there's second degree burns, which are very painful because not only is the epidermis um, affected by this, but you also get the dermis, which is right beneath that skin layer, right beneath your epidermis. It too is affected in a second degree burn. So with the second degree burn, it is pretty painful. Those are extremely painful. As a matter of fact, that's when something really scalding has uh, burned you or you've suffered. Maybe you were in a car accident or something like that and or sudden exposure, you know, something like that, that really got to that second layer of skin. Um, something that really got to you and you know some sort of flame injury where you felt the fire those really really hurt and they are the the they are characterized usually by weeping um skin so the skin that was affected you know it because it's going to be blistered and it's going to weep and it's going to be red and swollen just a nasty looking situation these um types of burns when they um when they heal, they seem more to, they, they, they can leave back some scarring, some, some real bad scarring, right? And so they're a little bit more severe uh, than a first degree burn. Uh, if you're gonna be burned, you would definitely not want to um, 
have a second degree burn because you're totally conscious of it and it is really, really extremely painful. So um, just stay with me on the descriptions of the burns because I am going to talk to you about how this relates to your life. And I think some of you are already getting um, getting that and you're understanding at this point and you can, if you've had any pain in your life, you can kind of relate to it, right? So a third degree burn and, um, you know, some people even say that there's a fourth degree burn, but I'll, let me just deal with this third degree. A third degree burn is uh, when the entire thickness of your skin has been affected. That means that um, you're probably going to lose a couple of hair follicles. You see people who have been in bad burn accidents who they um, lose their sweat glands, they lose their hair follicles. Um, it may not be as painful though. You would think that with a third degree burn that it would be more painful than a second degree um, burn, but it's, it may not be as painful. Um, and I'll tell you why it's because the nerves can be damaged and can be destroyed. And so, um, you know, that's the ability to feel our nerves help us with our sensation. Uh, third degree burns are very intense because for medical staff because medical staff have to be very careful. These require hospitalization, skin grafts. Skin grafts can go back and forth. Those patients can go to surgery quite often. You want to make sure that these folks don't get an infection because they literally are like an open sore. You know, these are burns that we get by way of chemicals, electricity, heated objects, um, uh, perhaps radiation, um, um, steam or something like that. You can get a third degree burn. Um, fourth degree burn, um, a, a lot of people, you know, usually we kind of deal with um, first through third degrees, but fourth degree burn is something that is very life-threatening and it is um, damage that reaches actually to the depths of your bone. And that means that the burn skin is permanently lost. It, um, it usually requires amputation um, of certain limbs at times. Um, these are where we see people who have gotten into um, some sort of house fire or building fire, or maybe they were exposed to high voltages. So we can see how um, when we're burned in life, what that feels like. So we've walked the physical severities of burns and what it's like to be burned. Let's now look at emotional stress and um, how, what it feels like when we've been emotionally burned. And this is why I say that abuse, um, you know, mental abuse, verbal abuse, and physical abuse. You know, physical abuse over time may heal and we may have some ugly scarring from it. However, we cannot act as if just being beaten by someone is the worst in the world. You know, your emotional abuse that you may have gone through, emotional trauma, those things are things that we have to speak to as well. So when we're dealing with physical burns, we see the progression and we see how people start not having the ability to feel anymore. And so in life, when your life has been tampered with and you've 
experienced, let's say, rejection, that's a burn, that's an ouch, right? Or you've experienced some kind of domestic violence, that's an ouch. When you've experienced depression, an ouch. When you've dis experienced so many things. And those of you listening to me, you can tell, you know what your burn is. And you know what your burn has been. And so as a counselor, I always like to, uh, when I'm in counseling, uh, and of course I do Christian counseling, I like to always identify what is that burn. You know, we often tell people that we're trying to save them from the depths of hell. So I like to use this burn theory when I'm talking about the severity of the pain that we've endured in our lives. This is part of our healing process. And so a lot of times people feel like, well, you know, I grew up in a wonderful home. My parents did not abuse me or they feel like, you know, um, I was not abused by this or that I've had a good life. Well, those things are pretty much characteristic of having a good life, but there are some other things that could have happened to you, some losses that you may need to rehab from. And so, um, of course, I'd like to, um, these, these sessions or these podcasts are not designed for, to supplement for a counseling session, but it definitely can be used to identify if you need to seek further help. So oftentimes in our lives and everybody is subject to a first degree burn because, you know, we are exposed to things in life. We're exposed to the world. We can't just stay in our bedrooms or stay in our homes and never come out. We have to be appropriately socialized, right? So in our socialization, it's very, very important that we come out. Well, we know that everybody is going to experience a first degree burn in his or her life. So that's when things are not going to go like we want them to. That's an ouch. But what we need to learn to do in relationships, for example, once we get that first degree burn, sometimes we'll say, well, you know what? I healed from that. That wasn't so bad. That was a mistake. So I'll go back to that. And so we tend to go back and now we have a more severe burn. I want to encourage you that if you've had a first degree burn, you've been pretty forgiving and you thought, oh, well, maybe that was just a mistake that you be careful about progressing to second degree burns. You know, second degree burns hurt a little bit different. You've heard it said this one hurts a whole lot worse than the first time. And so, you know, the first time may be just a little prick. And at that time, anybody who gets a first degree burn, they should use some sort of um, topical antibiotic or something to rub on that to make sure that it's going to be well. You know, they see their physician, they say, hey, what is good for this? And so you have those even over the over the counter things that you can place topically on that burn so that it doesn't progress to something worse. Why? Because our skin is our lar largest organ system. And so when we break down the integrity of our skin, we are allowing for, you know, um, different things in our environment to be able to cross that barrier of our skin and get into our bodies. And so a lot of times in relationships or different dealings that we have, we have to be careful about, um, how we progress, you know, you know, you let somebody into your heart or you let somebody into your life or, you know, but you have to be careful not to allow for toxicity to get in. And so we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our minds. I'm not saying being, be afraid to love or be afraid to care about anybody by all means, definitely be compassionate, but definitely do so uh, in mind with, you know, hey, this is a, this is something that I need to take seriously. 
Um, by the time we progress to second degree burns in the same situation, if I were to walk into my bedroom and turn my light on and maybe it sparked and I got a burn from that, well, I should call the electrician, right? So let's say I don't call the electrician or I call the electrician in and um, it's not quite fixed. By the time I see that second spark, I don't need to turn that light on again. I need to keep that light off because I know now there's a greater potential for danger and I need to make sure that somebody comes and they thoroughly take a look at that. That's how you prevent um, having the trauma of second degree burns going into third degree burns. We wonder a lot of times, why do people stay in marriages? Why do they stay in circumstances or even uh, other relationships that are abusive? And it's because they experience that first degree burn, uh, you know, that first time, and then they experience that second time. And then it hurts a whole lot, but then they get over it and they see that, oh, okay, I just have a little damage from it, but I'm still okay. And sometimes healing if we're not careful, will become a hindrance to us because we heal and we feel like, oh, that wasn't so bad after all. And so we kind of forget the pain that was associated with why, with why we had to heal in the first place. And so we go on and, you know, but that scar is supposed to be there as a reminder. But some people look at the scar and they say, well, you know what? I heal from it and it's okay. When we look at scars, scars are in our lives are designed to remind us that there was a lesson that we had to learn from that. It's supposed to be an aversion to doing that thing that way ever again. So third degree burns, when they happen, they are because we got past that second degree level, that second level of skin, which is called the dermis. And now we are at the nerves. We're at the follicles. We're at the things that, you know, grow that help us with our growth, like our hair follicles and, you know, our nerves which send out the message. So Sometimes we're looking at our sisters, our brothers, our cousins, our aunts, our moms, our dads, our friends, our neighbors, and we're wondering why are you staying in that relationship? And it's because they've been burned to the point of conditioning. Now, let me tell you about conditioning. Conditioning is a process where if something happens to you over and over and over again, or you allow for this thing to happen, you are now conditioned to it. And you now um, have set yourself up to allow yourself to be abused. And so... It's, uh, of course, not healthy and it's not um, resourceful for you. And so you have to be careful with that because the more that we allow ourselves to go through certain circumstances and certain situations, the more we can kind of psych ourselves out and tell ourselves it's not so bad after all. It's not so bad after all. We start looking at how many times that we got over it and we start saying, you know what? I got over it the last time. It's going to be okay this time. I got over the last time. It's going to be okay this time. Those talks can be healthy in certain situations, but there are a whole lot of situations that those talks are just simply not healthy at all. And you have to be careful how you have yourself talks. And so discussing these things with somebody else and saying, I just need to know how you're thinking about this. This is what I've been thinking. Am I right about the way I'm thinking about this? You know, and that's why I highly encourage having accountability partners and people who you can talk to, who you can trust, or maybe um, you may have to have that conversation with a counselor to say, you know, this is something that's going on in my life and I want to make sure that I'm not settling or I'm not calling something good when it's not good at all. Um, we can kind of use forgiveness and, 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 and as an excuse, of course, by all means, we're supposed to forgive. But forgiving doesn't mean that we have to be a doormat to whereas now we are allowing what hurt us 
to hinder us and we've grown numb to it. So a lot of times people can grow numb to situations and they can grow numb to circumstances because they have been conditioned by now to just take the pain and they have been hardened by it and they're okay with it. Um, so when we are dealing with our friends, when we are dealing with our loved ones, when we're dealing with parishioners who cannot see that being abused or living a certain way is not right, then it's time for us to, um, it's time for us to strongly urge them to get the help that is necessary to come out of that. Remember with these third degree burns, they are where sometimes we as observers are looking in at folks going, I cannot believe he or she is, or, you know, we start to say things about people like, I'm done with them. I'm done. You know, if she wants to be, I've heard this said, and I've even said things like this. Um, if she wants to be dumb, then it's nothing I can do about it. Well, I've learned to look a whole lot further and to say, okay, you know what? How can I identify with where this person is and why they are accepting this behavior? And let me see what I can do to assist them where they are and not judge them. Judging is so... Um, is what we don't want to do. We don't want to judge, okay? We, we just don't want to, um, we don't want to judge for sure. Um, so, you know, I talked about fourth degree burns. I think third degree burns are just as life-threatening as our fourth degree because once you've gotten into the inner core of a person, you know, um, heart, the heart and the, um, your other internal organs, um, when when the sweat glands aren't there we can't regulate temperature when sweat glands are um affected so we can't regulate the temperature people don't know that they've grown cold i would watch these patients who cannot control their temperature and it was because um their sweat glands had been damaged so metaphorically speaking emotionally some people can't tell that the uh, environment is caustic and that it's heated and that it is terrible for them so we're saying how does she live in that house how does he live with her how does he live in that situation how do those kids survive that and it's because they have lost the ability to regulate themselves to the temperature in the room they have become so burned by what has happened to them every day that they no longer have the ability to adjust to the environment so they just are there that's not living my friends that's just merely existing if what i am saying to you resonates with you and you're the person who's going through that i highly encourage that you get help I really pray and hope that I've said something that's going to help someone to um, come out of that, that situation. When you've been burned, you don't want to become bitter. You don't want to um, lose the ability to um, taste life again. You want to be able to taste life as it as it is, as a good thing, you know, as it can be, I should say, because for, as it is for people, some people it's bitter. But there's a sweetness of life uh, that you can definitely enjoy and so um i just thought about that and i was like that's so relational and i you know i think it makes sense for someone so that they could understand why people are um why some people 
just act like nothing's happening in their life. It's because they've grown numb to life. They've grown, they've grown to a place of not being able to feel what's happening. Um, they don't know what's going on in their environment. And so we ha- those of us who still feel, we have to make sure that we're uh, helping them to feel Can I tell you something that um, I think I've probably shared with you before, and I think it's good to share here um, prior to closing our conversation today. Um, My father, um, I tell this story a lot about how that I had to take a baby off of the ventilator. And I was pretty new in my profession at the time, and I was working the pediatric intensive care unit. And I had to take this baby off the vent and I laid her. She had a brain injury um, that she didn't recover from. And the surgery didn't go so well. And I laid her in the arms of her mother while her mother sat there in the rocking chair. And she held her baby and she wept and she rubbed her hair as we removed the bandages from her head. And, um extubating that baby which is the act of taking that baby off of the vent and removing the tube from her throat was horrible for me and um, I wondered if I'd done something against against the will of God and so I struggled a lot with that because I'd been praying for this child to make it and um, it just did not happen the way that I felt like it should have happened and I could not fathom a child dying um, I just could not let alone. I was probably in my, t- well, I know I was in my twenties and I could not fathom myself dying. And I, I, I came home and, um, I said to my dad, I said, I am having a hard time with this. I am having a hard time with, with this baby that I had to take off of the ventilator and take off life support and give to her mother. And she died there in her mother's arms. And I was like, I started to cry in front of that family. I was like, I'm such a wimp. How could I cry in front of that family? I cannot believe that I cried that I broke in front of that family. Am I not equipped for this? What does God think about me with me having done this like this? And so my father said to me, he says, the day that you cannot feel the pain of other people is the day that you are no longer fit for health care. And that you should leave and you should get help. He says, I would appreciate if I had you at a bedside. And if I was going through that, I would appreciate you sharing in my pain. He says, the burden of pain is so heavy that we often need somebody else to help us to bear that weight. So I still struggled a little bit with, was this the right thing to do? Did I kill that baby? And... I later on recognized when my dad actually died, um, I realized that this is the will of God, that I serve such an amazing God, that if he wants somebody to live, he will work that out. So I realized that it wasn't the machine that was keeping the baby alive. Of course, I, um, I do recommend that we use all the medical help that we can get in those situations. But it was actually the will of God. If God wanted her to live and to persist beyond that, he would have let her. And thank God that he let me see this happen in so many other patients and other people who we thought that once we removed them from life support that they would not make it. But many of them 
are still living today because it was just the complete will of God. So I say to you that, you know, we have to remain compassionate. And what seems to be lifeless situations, we have to remain compassionate. We um, should not be judgmental. We have to remove ourselves from condemnation. And we um, should not compromise on what we believe. We should stand and do what is right. And if that means that we've got to have interventions with our friends, we have to make sure that we are having safe interventions, non-judgmental, calling in for professional help when necessary, and um, making sure that the mental health status of our family members and our friends is healthy, and making sure that we have accountability partners that when we ourselves are not our best selves, that we can be spoken to where we are and we can be rehabbed for better. And so I pray that something has been said to help you in this broadcast and that you're going to be better by having been here. Thank you. And I hope that you'll join me on social media. Again, Facebook. I'm Beryl Cawthorne. Um, and on Instagram, I'm Dr. Beryl Cawthorne. And um, you can join me. Um, if you go to my Facebook page, you'll see The Buzz with Dr. B. There's a couple of videos there that you can catch up on, The Buzz with Dr. B. If you're interested in my preaching and sermon, sermons and things like that that I've done, you can go join Grace Hill Church. Um, uh, look at our page there, Grace Hill Church, and um, like our, click, click like on our page, and you'll find me there. Um, Beryl Calthorin and um, you can join us for the Grace Experience on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time for Grace Express. This has been 365 God Podcast. This is your podcast pastor.